welcome to Window of Opportunity, a Stargate rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 3, Episode 11, Past and Present. Also known as Carrie's favorite episode ever. <laughs> she said sarcastically. In the history of all the Stargate everywhere. I'm, I mean, if... If the romantic subplot of this episode didn't exist, it would be totally fine. Mm-hmm. It would be perfectly fine. It's just the romantic subplot between Daniel and Kira slash Linnea that it serves no purpose. It does not need to be here. I don't know why it's here. I don't like it. I don't need it. I don't want it. So please brace yourselves for various snarky periods throughout our review (laughs) of this episode. I've tried my best to be objective and just present this episode as it is. But yeah, yeah. Your your snarker meter is turned up to 11. A little bit. Oh, man. I will say, so in like my research for this episode, this like this episode coming directly after Forever in a Day was apparently not supposed to be how it is. Oh, okay, because that's I, pretty much the worst airing decision ever. It is, yes, exactly. I wasn't able to find any sort of concrete interview or verification of this but several like um like chat rooms and discussion boards that I looked at for this episode referenced like Michael Shanks mentioning that like these episodes were not supposed to air in this order so which means somebody has definitely brought that up before yeah really I mean, it was probably at a convention at some point. Somebody was like, hey, Michael, really? And he was like, well, I mean, no. And I like, I don't know. I could not find anything about maybe what the, like, where this was supposed to be in, like, the season three airing. Some things referenced it was maybe supposed to be earlier. Some things referenced it was supposed to be maybe later. But there does seem to be some sort of general consensus that Forever in a Day and Past and Present airing back to back was not supposed to be how season three happened. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Same thing. Did the same thing to Firefly. They're doing the same thing here. They Why? They did the same thing to Almost Human, like, and Leverage. Although Leverage looks kind of fine. That that worked out okay. But yeah, like, I don't know if it was just. Um, because of like what the next couple episodes are, if it was just sort of guest star availability shifted, how things were filmed and then how things aired. I don't, I don't know. Unfortunately, I do not know exactly why these two episodes aired back to back. All I know I was able to find was that they weren't originally supposed to. That's when you were learned like, no, this was actually supposed to be somewhere in the next season. This was not... (laughs) I'm not supposed to be here anywhere at all. As far as I could tell, this was supposed to be a season three episode. It was supposed to be in this season, but not here. But not as episode 11. (laughs) But not here. Not so much here. Not so much here. Maybe there. Maybe there. But not here. But, okay. (laughs) So shall we get into it? 
figure it all out. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is Past and Present. It originally aired on October 15th, 1999. It was written by Tor Alexander Valenza and directed by William Garrity. And in this episode, SG-1 encounters an entire planet suffering from amnesia. The planet's leader, a woman named Kira, returns to Earth with SG-1 to find a cure. But even as Kira and Daniel develop a mutual attraction, SG-1 suspects she may not be who she appears to be. (gasps) Who she be? Who she be? (laughs) So what did you, did you remember anything about this episode? Yes, I did. This one, I this is one of the few where I was like, oh, it's that one. Okay, yeah. I get it. I get it. <laughs> oh, yeah. right. Okay. Oh, this one where Daniel, who just buried his wife a week ago, is suddenly mooching on some other lady. Mm, yes. There wasn't even really any chemistry. I know. It's I'm very... a sucker for all things like romantic comedy and cute. So I am a connoisseur of judging on-screen chemistry. There was none. Are no, there wasn't. There wasn't really. No, no. Mm. Okay, so this episode opens with SG-1 exiting the gate into some sort of seemingly abandoned warehouse or industrial building. Like the DHG is covered by a sheet, and there's like crates. Of stuff everywhere and they're sort of walking. So this scene actually brought up yeah. a question for me that never really occurred to me until now because they walk yeah. in and they're like looking around like, oh, huh, this is what this room looks like. And oh, here's the DHD. It's covered up and it's sitting next to us. Do you think that they have any protocols for making sure they can dial back? I mean, yes. Okay. So there is after the um, so the episode with Ernest where they're on Heliopolis where they were like the MALP found a DH the MALP just saw that a DHD was there but it didn't detect that the DHD was completely disabled and like not operational. There should be a MALP there that saw the DHD covered with some sort of tarp. Yes. Yes. Yeah. There's there are. <laughs> There are many things in this episode that they're just weird. It's weird. And it's again, so this is another thing I discovered in um like the message boards on Gateworld for this episode that this episode has a lot of stuff that you may identify as the plot point detector. And it's like the plot necessitates this thing happens. So therefore this thing happens. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that does happen a lot. Yeah. So keep that in mind as we go through this episode. Because Who was it that wrote this one again? Uh, Tor Alexander Valenza. He's written many episodes prior to now. He's not, like, new to Stargate okay. at all. Mm-hmm. No. And so. it was just like, whatever, Stargate, meh. Yeah. No. I mean, yeah, like, the fact that the DHD was covered with the tarp should have been, like, should we go there? Yes. But they went there anyway. So stuck in a warehouse. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So the DHG is covered with the tarp. There's like crates of stuff everywhere. They're kind of looking around and Daniel's like, maybe this is just like an artifact to them. And Sam's like, you know, you could stand at the DHG and push buttons forever and never make anything happen because there's uh, um, a, a 
very large mathematical number of combinations of things that can happen. Who knows that you, if you don't know that you need like seven constellations to dial an address, why would you push seven buttons and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And uh, Tilk then calls out to Jack as we see sort of shadows of people walk by like a window outside the building. And so SG-1 kind of take cover at these people come into the building and there's a woman who says who says she heard something like an explosion to the man who uh his name is Warner. Warner doesn't believe her and he's she's he's just like no you didn't like an, an explosion what no you didn't hear anything you're crazy and so jack steps out and is like hey hi you heard us come in Hello. also you think they would have seen or heard the explosion and or mystery things with the initial you know probes they would have sent through yeah because as far as we know the viewer protocol is you dial an address does it connect great send a mouth get readings does the mouth say things are good great cut the connection get a team who is available then you go with the people hours later who knows i don't know but yeah. yeah yeah there there's there's a few things in this episode that don't quite line up with what we understand to be sgc protocol this is definitely an episode that required a super fan yes yes for sure mm-hmm. um so yeah so jack's like hey hi you heard us come through because the door quote unquote stargate was open and uh, these people are quite confused about where SG-1 came from and ask for their papers. And, well, they don't have papers because they're travelers and they've come to meet you. And the man owner's like, you come to meet me. And the woman's like, not you, you idiot. And it's like, no, I like your people in general, you, not you specifically, you like general. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and which conversation yeah uh so this actor he was on monk if any of you watched the usa series monk he is from that series so like like a regular yes yeah series regular randy he was one of the police officers randy something i could totally be a cop yes so yes this gentleman he played a cop on monk if you watched any of those series so yeah so daniel's like we i mean we've come to meet your people in general and does this sort of introduction thing of like, I'm Daniel Jackson. This is Sam Carter, et cetera. And this is Tilk and Orner's like, what kind of name is Tilk? Because that's something you say to a person you've just met. Because of all those names too, Tilk is the one that sounds weird. Yeah, I know. Like, til- <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, uh, why wouldn't they think major was a name? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't know. But we do learn that the name, Tilk has was given to him by his father and that the name Tilk means strength. All right. So good for that. And that piques their interest because if Tilk remembers his father, then that means he wasn't there for the time of the Vorlix. And Daniel's like, Vorlix, that doesn't really, I don't know what that means. What's Hmm. that? So the woman that was there says it was the day that all we know of ourselves was taken away. So, there is this day that's called the Vorlix, where everything before that, these people don't remember, and they only know the days since the Vorlix. As we cut 
to the opening credits. Interpretive dance. Do they ever kind of indicate, I don't remember, um, which is funny with this episode. Do they ever indicate how long it had been since the Vorlex? Yeah, they do say it's been at least a year, probably more. But I like, they know what a year is. I, I mean, I, there, yes, yeah. there's that. Uh, yeah. Still. Yes, that's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, at least a year, probably more, because the first kind of days after the Vorlix were just panic and chaos and, you know, general mayhem in the city, continent, country. We're not sure. Planet? Yeah. We don't yeah. know. No, we don't know. So we come back from the opening credits and Sam is taking some readings and assures Jack that everything's fine. And the two locals confirm it to that, like, whatever it is that caused the Vorlex is like, it's long gone. It's not here anymore. And Sam posits that some kind of mass amnesia has happened to these people and relays an anecdote i guess of a friend of hers whose chopper crashed during the gulf war and when she woke up her memory was gone right sure okay Mm -hmm. and also all of their elders and children are missing as well and no they don't exactly remember any of those people but there are photos of elders but nobody that resembles those photos are there and there are also no photos of children okay weird yes and during this conversation they also keep mentioning some woman named kira who according to them is the minister of health science and restructuring in the vias transitional government and jack's like great can we like go meet this kira person because that would be good like a good plan yes so as they leave this warehouse situation the two locals who show up have a spat like an old married couple uh, because I don't know how else you would describe the conversation they have other than like they're an old married couple it is exactly what these people would be saying they Uh, have more chemistry than the other two they do they do. They do. Um, so the woman heads back to their house with no promise of dinner, while the man, uh, Orner, takes SG-1 to go see Kira. So Orner leads them to what is sort of like a makeshift hospital kind of situation, and we see this Kira woman helping somebody who is having trouble breathing, and this person has apparently eaten something that she was allergic to because apparently people don't remember foods that they were allergic to and is going into what appears to be anaphylactic shock. And Sam uh, starts to like pull some kind of medication out of her vest to help. But Kira then she has like this mortar and pestle and she dips a cloth into the substance that there and holds it up to this woman and she can breathe again. So cool. Kira's like a super smart. I don't know. And So Orner introduces SG-1 as travelers from afar, and then Jack introduces them, like, sort of specifically, he's Jack, this is Carter, Daniel, and Tilk. And Daniel's like, you must have been a doctor before this whole amnesia situation. She's like, I think so. And then asks if he is, and then there's that whole thing of, like, I mean, nope, I mean, yes, but no, I'm a doctor for, like, archaeology, but not, like, a doctor doctor, as... 
you know. He needs to just keep saying, like, I'm super smart, but not medically. Yeah, because I think out in the universe, doctor doesn't mean the same thing it means here on Earth. No. No. But he mentions that, you know, he studies the past. So this Kira woman is like, oh, okay, so you are, he he is most welcome here then because he studies the past. Yay. And Who so, doesn't want to study their past? I mean, really. I mean, if you don't know anything about your past, maybe you'd want to. That's true. Yes. Kira then sort of like politely dismisses Warner, who kind of just stands there for a second before awkwardly leaving. And apparently Warner thinks Kira is his wife and wants to just like get right back into like being husband and wife, even without their memories of being husband and wife, which, ew. <laughs> I mean, if it's been a year or two, I'm just saying. I mean, I like, I, mm, but also like, <laughs> I really, really? But I mean, at this point, you know you don't remember anything, so. So what? So go for it or not go for no, it? No, so don't, because you over? know you don't remember, and you're just going to be like, you're my wife. No, that's not how it works. <laughs> that's, no. <laughs> Easiest pickup line ever. <laughs> you're my wife. I know it is. Just, just go for it. I know. I know it in my heart. <sighs> you're my wife. <laughs> no. No, I'm sorry, but no. Amnesia situation. No. That's how anyway. people get seven wives. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's how this civilization no. works. No. It's how it could work. You don't know. No, no, okay. no. Nobody no. knows is really the point. No. I mean, that's true. But I also think no. Okay. Uh, so... Kira then leads SG-1 to what appears to be sort of a library of sorts. And she's been reading, like, everything she can get her hands on to try and sort of get their society back up and running. And Jack's like, great, you have everything under control. And she's like, oh, fuck, no, I don't. No. Are you kidding? Like, all industry and agricultural stuff has just come to a complete halt. Like, nothing is happening on this planet. So, like, when winter comes, I guess... If there's a winter, like, these people are screwed. Things are not good here. No. 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 She does not have things under control. And she's then like, you're not from, like, Vias at all. Because whatever caused this Vorlix event was a pandemic and not an epidemic. Which... I, I At this point, I don't know if we all know what a pandemic versus an epidemic is, but like a pandemic is like a worldwide event, whereas an epidemic is like a localized thing. So whatever this Vorlix is affected a very large portion of this planet. The everyone. Like everybody. And so Jack then mentions that big ring in the warehouse is the Stargate, which is where they came from. And she's like, hey, Stargate, that rings a bell. And... She finds some research by a man called Dr. Zervis about a woman visitor that they had who claimed to have come through the Stargate. And his entry in whatever sort of journal or diary that they have says, Our visitor claims to have come to Vias from beyond the stars themselves, though I still cannot comprehend the science behind the Stargate device she claims to have used. So... These people has a visitor. So the Stargate was at one point used by 
by these people, but is not now being used. Mm. And it didn't seem like they were using it at the time. No, definitely not. Mm. And so all Carrie knows about this visitor from the notes that she's been able to that she's been able to find is that she was something of an apothecary, but they believe this woman and Dr. Zervis are now dead because sort of after the Vorlicks event happened and people sort of came back to themselves, they found these two like dead bodies of an elderly man and woman in the building that appeared to have been affected by some kind of explosion and the woman that was there matched what little description there was of her in Dr. Zervis's notes. And Tilk asks if there was any mention of, like, the name of this woman. And she flips through some, through some pages. And, oh, yes, she called herself Linnea. <gasps> dun, dun. I mean, that's really mistake one of using your same name. You gotta go, you gotta use fake names. No, like, why, why would she still call herself Linnea? Like, no, she can't. Mm -mm. Number one, she would have used a fake name. I mean, she should have. I don't know why she didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So we then cut back to the medical area, and we have Dr. Fraser and the team from the SGC who have arrived to help. So... Yay for that. Yay. Do they have quarantine protocols off worlds? I mean, <laughs> they, they should really keep in mind. We'll get to that in a minute. Oh, man. Okay. Okay. Um, so we then cut back to like SG1 and Kira who are in the library doing more research. And we sort of have Daniel and Kira on one side and everybody else on another side. And Daniel mentions that he keeps seeing something that's called Dargal. And Kira says it's it's a type of pesticide that had a major like negative impact on the environment and so was banned, much like DDT on Earth, as Daniel says. And at first she thought this Dargal might have been the cause of the mass amnesia, but there there were only sort of trace amounts found on those people who've died since this Vorlix event. And there's in this pause as she's like flipping through documents, she sees a picture of an old man. And like this whole thing is still very confusing to to her. Like, where have the elders gone? Like, did she know this man? Where are the children? Did she know this person? Like, like what happened? Like, what exactly is it that happened here on this planet? It's very confusing. And she's like, maybe they went to the Stargate. And he was like, I mean, sure, maybe your people saw this horrible event coming and so sent, you know, like, the elderly and the children away for their safety. And Kira's like, no, whatever happened, happened, like, very quickly and without any kind of warning. And Daniel's like, how can you be sure? And he, they just kind of stare at each other and smile for a minute and he's like oh because if you did see it coming then you would have left yourselves a note <laughs> so funny. and this is where we start to get this kind of like flirting thing between daniel and kira which i n- no 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 didn't they like- say in another scene that like the um some of the other characters all that they remember was that they were like in the middle of the street or something like as if they had been running for their lives. Yeah. The, the Orner guy some point later is like 
like when he sort of came out of whatever started the Vorlakes, his first memory is of running through the street, of running through the streets as if from something. Right. So do you think that means that like there was something visible coming, like it was a giant smoke cloud or something happening? Possibly, because there is that mention of you know, those two elders that like man and woman, that the elder bodies that they found, there was some sort of explosion mm-hmm. in the building where they were found. So yeah. that's a lot of ground to cover. Yeah. Like a lot. Like a planet country. Territory. Yeah. No. That's yeah. a big area. Yeah. Again, I think this is one of those situations where here's the Stargate. How big is the population of the planet around where the Stargate is. Yeah, we never really get to know that. No, we don't. No. We do not. Mm. No. On the other side of the room, like Jack and Sam and Tilka are there, and Jack is thinking about Linnea and how this doesn't really live up to her whole, like, destroyer of the world's nickname. And Sam and Tilk both think that it kind of does track. Kira had said the civil... This society is on the brink of collapse. There's no industry. There's no agriculture. This planet is going to die soon. So perhaps this is just another way of destroying a civilization. And a whole bunch of people are missing. Yeah. And they sort of briefly discuss what we had learned about Linnea from like prisoners earlier. And Sam again, sort of reiterates that it's sort of their fault that Linnea is here and that this whole Vorlick situation happened because they let her out and gave her access to the Stargate and blah, blah, blah. Mm, Yeah. 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 Yep. So Kira then asks Daniel about Linnea and he tells her about what happened in prisoners that like, SG-1, like, he and SG-1 were imprisoned unjustly, but this Linnea person was imprisoned justly, and it's their fault that Linnea came here, and so they'll do everything they can to help make things right. And she's like, I know you will. No, yes, you will. Uh, Sam then finds something on one of the bookshelves, and it looks like one of Linnea's diaries. Dr. Frazier then comes in and tells Sam that her armchair diagnosis was absolutely correct and there's some kind of amnesia affecting all of these people. And she tells Jack that she can either spend several weeks sort of going back and forth between here and Earth to set up a lab and analyze everything back on Earth to try and find a solution, or she can just take several volunteers back to Earth and get the answers much more quickly. And Kira's like, I'll help, and I know others who would too. And Dr. Frazier adds, as long as we maintain proper quarantine procedures, it shouldn't be a problem, sir. Oh, man, I laughed to myself when I heard that. <laughs> I know you did. As soon as she said that, I was like, Rachel has yes. thoughts. Because from then on, there are no, there, there's nothing different. They're just like on the base wandering around. There are no quarantine procedures. I mean, unless we just don't see them, but still. Unless yeah. the quarantine procedures are just don't let them off the base. <laughs> but, like, they're touching people. They're all over. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the quarantine, the quarantine procedures are, but I feel like we should at this point. 
There's like an entire quarantine procedures manual and you open it up and it's just like one page that's like, <laughs> don't let them off the base. <laughs> like, it's the entire quarantine manual. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. As if they look okay, they're okay. <laughs> <laughs> That might be my memo. That might be my memo for today. <laughs> if they look okay. Oh, okay. they're okay. <laughs> let me go. All right, let me go make notes. All right, memos. <laughs> if they look okay, they are okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm picturing in my head like a, a like a ream of paper size quarantine manual, and that's all it says in it. <laughs> <laughs> okay so so jack agrees with dr frazier and so he's gonna head back to sort of debrief hammond ahead of everybody else coming back to let him know what's going on and get everything straightened out and kira like goes back to the books with daniel's arm sort of like on the back of her like uh, like he's got his hand on like her lower back as like happens between people who are Familiar in a relationship. Yes, yeah. people who are in a relationship of some sort. And there's like, there's sort of a look between Jack and Sandra like, this, he should, we should keep an eye on what's happening there because that's, that's interesting. Can we redesign this whole episode to just pretend that Daniel is under some sort of hypnosis? I would love that. Let's do that. Okay. Yes. Okay. I'm I'm on board with that. Yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so we cut to sometime later and we have Sam Tilk, Daniel, Kira, Orner, and the woman who still doesn't have a name. They're back in that industrial building at the gate to head back to Earth. And Daniel tells Sam and Tilk to head back first to sort of show them like it's fine we can go through and you're all good so they head through and Orner's like I am not no that's not I can't do that so Kira holds out her hand is like trust me as you tested these people and it'll be fine and so they all hold hands and then like Daniel holds Kira's hand too and off they go through the Stargate. Wizard of Oz style. Yes which it's if you notice there are some sort of hints that Kira is not maybe who she says she is because as they come through the gate, Daniel and Kira both sort of just come through normally, but Orner and that other woman kind of stumble through and like sort of gasp as they like exit the wormhole. Mm. So there are kind of little hints throughout this episode that Kira is not who she says she thinks thinks she might be at least yeah yeah like her instincts are still in there yes so which mm, when like when we get to the end there are some discussions about like what kind of amnesia is affecting these people mm-hmm. which we can either talk about now or when we get to the end what do you what, what do you think oh let's do it now okay i don't want to wait it seems to be based on several suggestions that the the type of amnesia that is affecting these people is what's called systemic retrograde amnesia. 
So this is a type of memory loss where access to events that occurred or information that was learned in the past is like lost. Like you just don't have access to past events or information. It is often caused by injury or the onset of a disease, and it it tends to negatively affect episodic memory, which is memory of specific events like your ninth birthday party and like what happened there. You just don't remember that. Um, so it's like or it's being corrupted. Yes. Um, it also affects autobiographical memory, which are those memories that are sort of personal to yourself, like people you know or general knowledge about the world itself, and also declarative memory, which is also called explicit memory. And this is sort of the intentional recollection of facts and experiences while keeping procedural memory intact. So sort of like your subconscious memory, like knowing how to walk and tie your shoes and like language and how to speak, because when you speak, you don't really think about how to speak. You just speak. The sort of subconscious instinctual stuff is still there. It reminds me, crap, I forget what TV show it was, where somebody had amnesia, but they asked him to sign his name. Yeah. And and maybe that was like bones or something. I don't know. Somebody help me. But because yeah. of because the muscle memory of signing your name was a different part of the brain than remembering yes. what your name actually was. Yes. I, I think I remember that, too, from something. Yes. So, which I never watched Bones, so I don't know if it was Bones, or maybe it's just okay, something that no. happened in multiple shows. But, yeah, there's sort of, like, the muscle memory and just stuff you do instinctually is still intact. Um, and it also doesn't inhibit any sort of new memory creation. So, like, you can still learn new things and everything's fine. And it is... This systemic retrograde amnesia is consistent with Ribot's law. And so this is a law that states that subjects who have any kind of amnesia, the, the, the closer to the traumatic event the memory is, the less likely you are to remember it. So stuff that happened close to whatever it is that caused the, that caused the amnesia, you're not likely to remember, but the stuff that happened years before you might still be able to access. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so systemic retrograde amnesia is where it seems to be. We are to be, to be where we are with this episode. Uh-huh. Yes. What part of the amnesia is, I'm sure you're my wife. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the instinctual amnesia. I don't I'm know. I'm sure we're married. I just know it. Okay, which, okay, I need to get your opinion. The wig on Kira. Oh, man. It's terrible. Because it is. I could totally tell it was a wig. Just like the way they had her hair and the way she was walking around, I was like, oh, that has got to be a wig. And it's not yes. good. No, it's not. No. 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 Okay. Did not like it. Would not recommend. Okay. <laughs> So everybody gets back to Earth, and Hammond welcomes Kira, who offers her thanks for the SGC's help and generosity. And Jack's like, hey, why don't you, like, take them to the infirmary? And so... Why don't you quarantine them? (laughs) You know, those quarantine procedures Dr. Fraser mentioned, (laughs) we should probably put those into effect. (laughs) 
<laughs> and General Hammond turns to act turns to ask Jack about like what will happen if Dr. Fraser can't fix this, and he's like, I, I don't know, I don't know, because I mean, who knows? Give you advice, yeah, yeah, who knows? So, cut to sometime later in the infirmary, like scans had been done, and there seems to be some kind of residue on everybody's MRI scans between their synapses. So, it's possible all of their memories are still there, they're just inaccessible. And Dr. Frazier doesn't know what that residue is quite yet. And Kira's like, Is it the Darvall? And she's like, I, I think maybe. And just let me run some tests and we can figure out if it is that Dargal substance or not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And once they figure out if it is the Dargal or not, then they can work on figuring out a way to dissolve it. And Kira's like, well, then let's figure that out like right now. And it's like, okay, like take it down. Take it down a notch, Kira. (laughs) There's still a lot of testing to be done. And so Daniel's going to give everybody a tour of the SUC while like Dr. Frazier gets to work. Because apparently the quarantine does not include staying in one location. In the infirmary. <laughs> apparently the quarantine procedures have been completed and everybody's clear and fine to just wander about the base at will. He also makes a joke that he's going to give her the 50 cent tour. Yes. She doesn't know what that means. No, she doesn't. Oh, man. Uh so the tour ends at Kira's room with just Daniel and Kira, but Orner and the other woman not there. So apparently Orner and the other woman have already been shown to their rooms and they enter Kira's room and get back to their flirting. And I, mm, this, I hypnotized. Mm, just pretend he's hypnotized. So Kira kind of, like, puts on the flirting, and Daniel tries to, like, put her off with, like, hey, my wife just died, like, a week ago, but actually, I actually really lost her, like, a while ago, because the whole, like, ghoul thing, which I get, but also, your wife died a week ago, according to us, the fans, and then Kira also mentions how the people on Vias have, like, been withholding any kind of physical affection from anybody else just in case when their memories came back they were actually married to like this other person over here but they've been smooching on this guy here and that would be awkward and which is actually uh, an interesting point it's something that i'm not sure that i would have thought of but it does make sense yeah 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 it actually is a pretty interesting point yeah but then she goes on to say but you're not from Vias, are you so it's okay you're a hall pass but yeah it's like is Dan- yeah is daniel there's a hall pass? no way somebody else could end up married to you right even though kira herself doesn't know she might be married to somebody else but they apparently both decided to watch it and like get to smooching and like maybe more i don't know i don't like it because like i'm just gonna say in her defense though it's been a year i mean for her yeah. sure Yes. For and him? Nah. Because the thing is, we don't know how long it's been since the events of Forever in a Day. It could have been a few months. We don't know. But for, like, for us, the viewer, this episode is happening a week later. Yes. So, and there's nothing that explicitly says it's been more than a week, you know? Yeah. And 
that's that's what I have a problem with here. Yes. If this episode had aired four or five, six episodes later, I probably wouldn't have had a problem with this little romantic like subplot. Hiatus, maybe, or, you know, like yeah, something. Yeah. But this like love interest subplot actually like it does nothing for this episode in general. It does nothing for Kira's plotline. It does nothing for Daniel's character growth. Just it. There's no reason for this romantic subplot to exist mm-hmm. at all. Yeah, no. And it completely ruins what would have been a really interesting episode. Yeah. 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 It would have been more interesting if they had focused on kind of the pending love triangles of the people. Right. Yeah. Like Orner and Kira and the Vian woman whose name we learn later. Yeah. But and maybe even like a few more of like so-and-so, like so-and-so, but we may be married and I don't crap. And like that stuff's more fascinating. Yeah. Meh. But I mean, it is Michael Shanks. He's one of the stars of the show. And yes, very attractive, blah, blah, blah. I get it. But his wife died a week ago. I can't. I can't. I can't. That's why I just get it very out. strongly dislike this episode. Let the world know. I hate this episode. I'm saying it. I hate it. I hate <laughs> it. And I wish it didn't exist. Okay. Okay. After this, we won't talk about it ever again. I really hope. No, we won't because Linnea never comes back. So. Okay. <laughs> Nothing that happens here has any impact on any. We're going to have to recap it at the end of the season. And it will be in my least favorite season three episode. <laughs> 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 okay. So we then cut to Sam in her lab and she's getting, she's reading through Linnea's diaries when Jack comes in and we get some interesting information that apparently Linnea had discovered that the Dargal pesticide has some very interesting side effects, including slowing the aging process. It also unfortunately adversely affected uh, their fertility which is why there are no children on Vias because nobody could get pregnant and give birth. And the last entry in Linnea's journal refers to an experiment she was going to try with two elders of the planet, a man and a woman, and a very, a very highly concentrated dose of Dargal to try and see if she can make what Jack says is like a sort of fountain of youth type thing. Does it seem odd to you that a pesticide would have a side effect of slowing the aging process? I mean, chemicals do crazy things. So, who knows? It seems very odd to me. I mean, it does that. I guess it 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 affects the aging process to the effect of actually physically changing a person's physical appearance seems a little extreme. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It like reverses a person's DNA, which, uh, I mean, the whole slowing the aging process versus infertility kind of works because it's preventing your body from, from continuing its life cycle, you know, you can't really yeah. sustain anything, anything grown in there. But I don't, a pesticide 
slowing down the aging process. I don't, I could not make that leap. I don't know. Seemed weird. I like, I wasn't sure if I should like research DDT or if it was just, just negative enough that I didn't want to delve into the specifics of DDT. Whether or not DDT slows down the aging process. I mean, I don't think it does, but like, as Daniel said, like it did destroy the sort of life cycle of a lot of like insects and other creatures on earth. And like, there are, there are children that have sort of developmental issues because of DDT. That is very much a thing. So yeah, I just didn't want to get into it too much because it's not going to hurt your brain. It was, and it was like not awesome. There's Uh, other things that are going to hurt your brain. I know. There's a lot of things. Now that we're going through this podcast, there's a lot of things that hurt my brain, but I don't know if I wanted to get into the DDT. So Linnea was going to do this experiment and then just like her diary stops. And Sam's like, so you know what that means? And Jack's like, no, I don't. I don't. No, I do like that, when they put that in the episodes and someone's like, and you know what that means. And Jack's just like, no, no, no idea. Mm, no. no, I got nothing. You're going to have to break it down. <laughs> so based on Linnea's entries and sort of the information they have from Kira and stuff, it seems like Sam's working off the belief that this experiment that Linnea was doing with the Dargal just went horribly wrong and is the Vorlix event, if you will. And that would also mean that the the bodies that they found that Kira had mentioned might have been Dr. Zervis and Linnea are probably not Dr. Zervis and Linnea, but just this these these two random elder Vian people that Linnea was going to experiment on. And also that the elders of the planet aren't missing. These people are the elders. Which also means that Kira might be Linnea. No. Yeah. Did you ever find the other doctor? Dr. Zervis? Yes. I don't know. Uh, no. There's there's no further yeah, mention of Dr. Really Zervis. No mention of him ever again. Nope. <sighs> nope. So he's mm. probably still out there somewhere. Okay. We just don't know where or why or where no. or who. All right. Or right. who he's married to. Nope. Or who he thinks he's married to. No. I mean, he should be married to Mrs. Zervis if he's married to Mrs. Zervis. Or maybe Mr. Zervis. Who knows? Oh, my God. They need, like, they need a game show on that planet. <laughs> like, the married game show who you think you're married to. Am and I they, your spouse? And then they give you the antidote and you find out if you're right. <laughs> 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 it's like the, <laughs> like like the Mori the Mori Povich, but instead of are you the father, are you the spouse? Yes. <laughs> or they do like a bachelor thing. <laughs> are you even married? You might be single. Who knows? Oh man, the possibilities are endless. Oh. I mean, given what happens later, that'd be very interesting. I know. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I totally would watch all those shows. 
So we cut to the briefing room and uh, Sam and Jack are there telling everybody about that, like, they suspect that Kira is Linnea and Dr. Fraser actually confirms that Kira's DNA matches the the sample of DNA that they had of Linnea on file. And Daniel's immediately like, I, I don't like Daniel in this episode. I don't because just he's. Oh, so here's the thought I had. Okay. Tell me. Because, yeah, no, he's not, he's not good. He's, like, no. so sure. And, like, just, uh, no, don't like him either. But I had a thought that okay. let's say you're Daniel Jackson, right? Okay. All right. In his field of study, it's, like, you have to be so, 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 so sure of your theory, like, forever and ever and ever. And there's people all your life telling you, like, no, you're crazy. It's not right. No, whatever. No, no, no. You have to get into the habit of being that person. Yeah. Who you're like, there is this thing over there. I'm going to find, like, you have to be so sure and so determined and so, like, in your profession that I feel mm-hmm. like that's just how he gets. Yeah. And that would be a trait of, like, a super high intelligent, you know, archaeologist of, like, for, you know, creature of habit. That's how you get when you're, like, when you have something in your head. Yeah. I'm just saying. But Daniel's <laughs> argument here, like does not make any sense because so he so he says to jack like jack who would you trust beyond anything worth your life in a combat scenario i won't be offended if you say it's tilk and so he's sort of trying to equate daniel or he's trying to equate tilk and kira as being the same person but that that doesn't work because tilk made a conscious decision to no longer be in service of this horrible overlord evil dictator type person apophis right whatever Mm -hmm. you will kira just has no memory of who she was before yeah this plum forgot she those are not the same thing at all no like at all in any situation and like but on the other hand i do get what daniel is saying and is like kira is not Linnea and she's not because Kira has no memory of who Linnea was. So why should we punish Kira for who Linnea was? If Kira is not Linnea, like I get that, but it's also not the same thing at all. It isn't, especially since we don't know how Linnea got to be Linnea. Was she just, was she just always crazy pants? Yeah. Like, I went back and sort of, like, I read through, like, a a transcript of Prisoners because I just didn't have time to watch the whole episode. And, like, we we do sort of only have sort of hearsay or secondhand knowledge of what Linnea did. And we don't know why or how Linnea became the person she probably is in prisoners like we don't know what happened to make her be that person that did the horrible things that she supposedly did allegedly quote unquote in prisoners and i mean it's just this whole nature versus nurture thing and i don't i don't i don't know (laughs) i don't know (laughs) it's difficult but also this is linnea she's not a good person from what we know of her yeah Yeah. so at the very least Hammond sort of wants to keep her confined to her quarters until they can figure out this whole amnesia thing so which is fair 
Would yeah, totally fine. So Daniel goes to tell Kira about that, but he kind of lies about it and tries to brush it off as just like quarantine procedures. Like you just need to remember stay. those quarantine protocols that we completely ignored before. That means you just need to stay in this room for now. But and she's like, but Dr. Frazier's still working on a cure. And he's like, yes, Dr. Frazier's still working on a cure. Don't worry about that. So in the lab, things are not going well. Basically, they're trying to find a way to dissolve a foreign or alien even substance in a a human brain without harming any of the surrounding tissue. And that is that's not an easy thing to do at all. No. And uh, Dr. Frazier and Sam are like, we we kind of need Kira's help because she's the only person who has the knowledge of this whole thing and like the substance that might be in the brain. And if you want any kind of cure in less than several years, we need her help. Ta-da! And uh, Jack and General Hammond are both like, uh, no, 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 mm-mm, no. Like psych- psychopath. Do you remember Linnea, psychopath? No. And Dr. Fraser kind of backs up what Daniel said earlier about like how Kira might not necessarily be Linnea because all Kira seems to want to do is to help her people and Sam and Dr. Fraser need her help to help her people. And as long as she doesn't take the antidote herself, it should be fine? Question mark? Interesting theory. Yes. And uh, Jack and General Hammond eventually agree as long as appropriate precautions are taken. And apparently those precautions are Tilk and civil armed guards around Kira at all times. Quarantine protocols. (laughs) Yes. Quarantine has taken on a whole new meaning in this episode. Um, Page two of the manual. Yes. So like. It just says Tilk on it. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So basically, like Daniel has gone to like escort Kira to the infirmary, but the the escort includes Tilk and several armed guards at this point. Mm -hmm. Um. So they start to get to work, and uh, yeah, Kira's like super smart, like beyond any kind of knowledge that Sam or Dr. Fraser might have. And at some point she's like, as long as we don't exceed a 3% solution, we'll be fine. Like that. Okay. That like that 3% is so precise that she seemingly pulled out of like nowhere. It's just like, where did that number come from? But okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we, they soon have the sort of first prototype of an antidote to try and Kira wants to try it on herself, but it was like, Hey, no, because you know, if it's wrong, we might need you to help us make it right. Versus just, we don't want you to take the antidote at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Orner is going to be the first test subject And she's like, but I don't, but if it's wrong, he might die. I don't want that. And he's like, I forgive you before anything happens. So. Which was nice. Which was, yeah, it was very nice of him. So uh, 
Unfortunately, the first trial is not successful. Uh, Orner ends up seizing and actually his heart even stops for a bit, but he ends up recovering. But there are no recovered memories. He's still just as he was before. And Kira wants to just like get right back to work immediately. Try like a second try at the antidote. And Dr. Frazier's like, may just yeah, calm down again. Hold on. Hold on. Two minutes. <laughs> Give us a Take bit. Breather. Yeah. And so Daniel agrees with Dr. Frazier. And so they kind of head back to Kira's room. And Kira's like, can I talk to you, like, alone? And Daniel finally manages to convince Doak to, like, give them a moment alone in the room. And basically Kira has figured out that they that uh, everybody thinks that she's Linnea and Daniel t- – ends up telling her everything about what they believe the Vorlocks, the Vorlicks was and what it did and how it like physically de-aged their population and gave them amnesia and everything. And she insists she's not Linnea. And he's like, I mean, there's a thing called DNA that says you are. So, and she's like, but I would never hurt you. Don't you believe me? And he's like, yes, Kira is a wonderful person. As long as you don't take the antidote, you'll be fine. Oops. No. No, thank you. Um, and then we get uh, Jack sort of waiting down at the end of the hall for Daniel after he leaves Kira's room and Jack in his own way kind of tells Daniel to just like be careful with Kira because if she remembers this Linnea part of her personality, like Daniel's going to be the first to go. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting how they are talking about talking like they're two different people. Yeah. Which... Like she's going to, like she's going to have schizophrenia. It is a weird kind of bit like that, yeah. 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 Uh, so we then cut back to the lab, and we have a new antidote ready for testing, and they put it on a slide in a Petri dish, and it looks like it's working, and Kira wants to stay and help, but Sam and Dr. Fraser dismiss her and to continue the testing in Kira's like, can I come back for the testing later? And you're like, yeah, sure, but please, like, go away now. And as she leaves, she manages to, like, palm a slide from one of the Petri dishes as she's, like, escorted from the lab. Yeah, is- and I'm, I, I kind of ended up fuzzy on why she did that. We'll find out in a minute. But when do you think the Petri dish was invented? Oh, man, this is the fun fact you have. This is, when this the, is petri the fun fact for this week is the Petri dish. <laughs> this is the fun fact is the Petri dish? It is. I'm sorry. This is the only thing I I found to look up for this week is, like, the Petri dish. <laughs> is it named after somebody named Petri? It is. Sweet. Why is, it, why is it called a dish? I always thought Petri dish was just the funnest thing. Thing, not like something else. Anyway, that's off track. When was the petri dish invented? It was invented in 1887. Oh wow, really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, is named after a German bacteriologist named Julius Richard Petri, <gasps> which is like the cutest name ever. Anyway, it is. 
Uh, he worked as a military physician for the German army and was assigned to a lab in Berlin's Imperial Health Office health office in 1887 and there was a scientist called Robert Koch who was sort of in charge of the whole lab in general and basically he was looking for a reliable way to cure bacteria without any sort of interference from like cross-contamination because prior to then there weren't there wasn't any sort of contained vessels so there's a lot of like cross contamination just from bacteria and stuff in the air mm-hmm. and so basically building on methods from like the bell jar situation in science if you will uh this petri guy invented a culture dish that was that is actually very similar to what we still use today and he named the invention after himself as many scientists like you do like you do and went on to write a 300 word page paper about how to specifically use a petri dish what's in a petri dish what is the culture material in there uh let me see if i can tell you that side note if you were to have a scientific something named after you would you rather it be an object or a law like oh like the carry law or do you want like a telephone to instead be named the carry <laughs> i think i would like a law named after myself you would like a law the carry yeah. law yeah why not that does sound better i think i would also like yeah. a law um unfortunately the thing the one page i found about petri dishes did not say what specifically is in uh it's an agar plate filled filled with warm liquid containing sugar containing agar and a mixture of ingredients that can include nutrients blood salts carbohydrates dyes indicators amino acids or antibiotics So I guess depending on what you're trying to sort of cure within the Petri dish depends on the specific stuff that's in the Petri dish. Interesting. Thank you for said knowledge. You're welcome. So, okay. So Sam and Dr. Fraser go to try the antidote on Orner. And so Kira's back. So apparently some time has passed and we're ready to try this sort of next level of antidote. And he does seize again briefly, though not as severely as before. Like, his heart doesn't stop like it did the first time. And it works. He remembers everything, who he was before. And apparently his name is actually Nodal, not Orner. And he's not married to Kira, as he suspected. He's married to this woman named Leal. And who's Leal? Hey, it just so happens to be that other woman who came with them through the Stargate that he's been arguing with this whole episode. And like an old married couple? Like an old married couple. And they've been married for 43 years. Surprise! So, yeah. And he's like, oh. Kira, you need to take this antidote like right now. She's like, I can't. They'll explain why. And so, like, if you were the wife, would you be pissed that your husband insisted that he was like, he knew in his bones that he was married to somebody else? I mean, a little bit. I'd be like, really? Dude. They've been married for 43 years. 
that's a long time. It is a long time. It's a long time. Like, my parents were married for 50 years. Five zero. That's a long time. That's a very long time. And you're you're telling me you're not going to recognize the woman who has lost, like, maybe 30 years physically? Yeah. Come on. Wait, if they were married for that long, that means they would have known each other when they were when they were that age anyway. I think exactly. Yeah, you still find her attractive. Exactly. Hmm. Which is kind I of funny. Do have to say, I noticed in the scene, specifically watching this episode on Netflix, like the blackouts to like the supposed commercial breaks came oh, in terrible. a really weird place. They came. This episode was horrible for where the like commercial breaks came. It was it's terrible. terrible. It's terrible. You know what was worse though was the scene with. Her and with Linnea and Daniel, Kira, Kira Land, Linnea, right? <laughs> with them in her room. Yes. That was really bad cut. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, Kira's like, I can't take the antidote, and these people will tell you why, and then leaves, and, like, Daniel heads out after her, and basically Kira's concerned about, like, what will happen to her once like they're done here and they've like, this is the antidote. This is what your people need to come back to themselves. And Daniel's like, as long as you don't take the antidote, you should be allowed to return to Vias. And he will argue for that to happen. And Kira's just worried that everybody on Vias will be like afraid of her once they know like who she used to be. And Daniel insists everybody will just be grateful for all that she's done to help them at this point. And they've they've been sort of, like, making their way through the SGC, and they finally get back to her room, and a guard sort of opens the door to, like, let Kira back into her, her room, and she turns to Daniel and goes, all debts have now been paid, and kind of, like, strokes his cheek, and she goes to get into her room, and Daniel leaves, but then something clicks in his brain. The audience goes, what? What? As, you know, Daniel finally catches up to the audience, <laughs> because... Uh, she has taken the antidote because that that sentiment, all debts have now been paid, is the message that Linnea, that Linnea left for the SGC at the end of Prisoners. So that's and, what she had on the slide? She took the antidote that was on the slide? I mean, that's that's the question. Like, there were, like, a drop or two on, on, on the slide. She palmed, yeah. and it was enough. To, how is that even like because like, they injected how, it into the other guy yeah how did she ingest it did she like lick the slide <laughs> like i don't i don't understand how she took the cure no, it doesn't weird. make any sense no it's not no but kira's like i had to know for my to know for myself because she didn't believe daniel and basically, now that she knows who she was, she wants to kill herself because she's like, I'm not that person. And she stole these two other vials from the lab that if she, like, smashes them together, they'll make this poisonous gas. And she's like, Daniel, you need to leave so I can just kill myself and not kill you. And she's like, I'm not. And Daniel's like, I'm not going to leave. So if you're going to kill yourself, you're also going to kill me. Right. Okay. Sure. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> the best reaction possible. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> we have uh, like a quick cut back to the lab, and it's time for this woman who we now know is Leal to take the antidote. And Dr. Fraser notices that those two vials that 
Kira has are missing and she mentions that to Jack and he and Tilk just kind of like look at each other briefly before they take off running and back in Kira's room uh, she and Daniel are still arguing and Kira insists that there's there's a part of her that cares greatly for Daniel but also this other part that would very gladly watch him die and then Jack and Tilk come busting in with Jack aiming his sidearm at Linnea. And Daniel, like, won't move out of the way. He's like, just wait. Hold on, Jack. It's fine. And he insists to Kira that there's another way. And Linnea shouts, I'm not her. Which, as much as I don't like this episode, that, like, I'm not her. It's just, it's, it's a really good acting bit from this actress, I have to admit. I like it. It works oh, for me. Oh, no. Yeah. You know, what I didn't like, though? Yeah. The um the line, I'm, t- oh, crap, I just lost my thought. Um, Oh, so what I didn't like about the scene was the line where she said that, you know, part of me would just be glad, like, would gladly watch you die. Yeah. But, I mean, sure, it shows villainy, but not. Linnea because you know if you're a super genius awesome super villain you don't like do evil just to do evil you you think that you're doing that you're satisfying something else with what you're doing and oops people did you know like you're accomplishing something you don't just like kill people because you're like yay murder that's you know what would make you a stabby stabby killer yeah I mean there is also so what we know, what we know of Linnea from prisoners and like what happened and why she was sentenced to prison on Hedante is that the world she was on, which I still don't know if we know how the world Linnea is from relates to Hedante. I don't, I'm not sure how those two planets relate to each other, but wherever Linnea originated from, these two continents to states whatever you want to call them were at war and Linnea created a plague that would only affect the people of the the other continent but left her people fine so but again where did that desire come from to massly eradicate this entire continent of people you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, you could always twist that with she was being patriotic. Yes. I mean, there's that. Yes. It's, I mean, even like taking prisoners into account, there's still a lot of questions left from prisoners about like who Linnea is and why Linnea is. What kind is. of evil is she? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like what, like what happened to her that made her become the person that she is? Mm-hmm. Yes. And so how does this relate to who Kira is if, you know, she's sort of taken this antidote and Linnea is starting to come back out and she insists that she's not Kira. And Daniel's like, no, you're not. But you could be if you just forgot this Linnea person again. You could be Kira again because Kira is wonderful and great and blah, blah, blah. And then we get this shot that, like, it's a really cool shot where it sort of, like, zooms in on Linnea, I guess, if you will, sort of in tears and very just sort of at war with herself. And it kind of then fades into Kira 
in the infirmary, blinking as if sort of awakening out of some kind of sleep. And she has lost her memory once again. And Mm. she's just back to believing she is Kira because that's who Daniel addresses her as. And Daniel says that she was a visitor here, but it's time for her to go home. And then... In the gate room, we have Nadal and Leal, who are waiting there with the rest of SG-1. And Sam confirms that this forgetting thing is something that Kira did willingly and that they were able to synthesize the the Dargal pesticide and basically reintroduce that into her bloodstream. And so that made the whole forgetting thing happen again. And she's back to... Huh? Yay, she didn't get younger. I yeah, I, why yeah, why didn't she de-age further again? I don't maybe know. maybe there's I a minimum. Part. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so we then have Kira, Daniel, and Dr. Fraser coming into the gate room, and Daniel introduces Kira to his friend Sam and Jack and Tilk, and then to her friends who have come to take her home. And Kira turns and asks Daniel if they knew each other well. And Daniel's like, no, we didn't really know each other at all. As Kira then turns to walk up the ramp and head home as we come to the end. The end. So that was the past and present from SG1, <laughs> season three. Your whole feeling is like, so that happened. So that happened. It really is. Like, so that <laughs> happened and we can forget that it yeah. ever did because nothing that happened here has any impact on anything that happens after this. Once again, Carrie's favorite episode ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can we exactly. call this? <laughs> can we call this the law, Carrie? Thing? <laughs> Never talk about this episode again. If I could forget this episode existed, I would be a very happy person. But unfortunately, it does. So we must acknowledge it. Okay. Well done. Thanks. Way to be a person that both acknowledges things you like and don't like in the world. Thank you. I do. I do try. Thanks. You're an equal, equal acknowledger. Equal acknowledger? Equalager. Okay. Okay. Sure. Uh, um any additional memos i I would love to hear your final thoughts on this episode i i have no thoughts other than i wish this episode didn't exist all right i have no additional memos other than teal okay (laughs) page two of the quarantine manual is just teal <laughs> okay, wait, page two of the quarantine manual. Tilk. All right, so then this week's episode title past and present. I think, I, I mean, I think that works because yeah. it's sort of, it's about the past and the present and how they tie together. Most of the foreign territories had the same kind of thing, except for France which titled this Le Passé Oublié, which is the forgotten past. No. Oh. Which, I mean, it's basically the same thing. Kind of works. Yeah. It's the same. So, um, yeah. The, that, that, that's all I got for this week. What about you, Rachel? How, <laughs> how do you like this episode? I don't know. I can't do better than that, than just kind of closing out with, yeah. Yeah. 
it happened. So before we close out this week, we have a listener email. Yay! Uh, this is from Mike. Hi, Mike. Thanks Hello. for writing in. We appreciate it. Uh, he says, so I was listening to your last podcast, SG1 Forever in a Day, and y'all mentioned celebrity appearances by Neil, De- Neil deGrasse Tyson in Stargate Atlantis later on, which also has Bill Nye in it, which, yes, great episode of Atlantis. Well, last year, while I was watching another show called Blind Spot, Bill Nye was a guest star on that show, and his character, as himself, Renchen mentioned Rodney McKay. And he attached, a, like, a screenshot of the episode that had sort of the dialogue from that episode, which says, where Bill Nye says, with none other than Dr. Rodney McKay. Ah, uh, yes. Dr. Rodney McKay. Yes. Which I do love when Stargate shows up in other things because it doesn't often. It does not, no. 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 I mean... I think one of the things I think of most is in Hot Tub Time Machine, one of the characters make, makes reference to, like, writing Stargate fan fiction with the whole sort of... Oh, I didn't character. remember that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where, like, the sort of outside of Stargate, the main sort of Stargate reference I have is, yeah, Hot Tub Time Machine with that whole thing. That's pretty, that should be something that we start to keep track of. It's like when... When is random Stargate? When is Stargate actually acknowledged in the outside world? Uh, I think Hot Tub Time Machine is it. That's it. I mean, if anybody knows anything, there may be sort of sly references here and there, but I think that's the only one that explicitly is like, I wrote Stargate fan fiction. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Which ties back into Cobra Kai because the guys that wrote the Hot Tub Time Machine are now in charge of Cobra Kai. And that's why Billy Zabka and all of that and blah, blah, blah. Yay. So, yes. Hot Tub Time Machine. I should rewatch that. That is a good movie. It's like, it's one of those good, just silly, turn it on and like turn your brain off and just like chill out for an hour and a half kind of movies. Yeah. Just some brain candy. Yes. I like it a lot. And it's Mm -hmm. John Cusack. Which, you know, that's Can't always go good. Wrong. Can't yeah. go with John Cusack, yeah. Where has John Cusack been? I don't know. Mm. Mm. That's a question. He was at Chicago Comic Con a couple of years ago. All righty. Well, uh, shout yeah. out to John Cusack, wherever you may be. <laughs> yes. Uh, and thank you to Mike and everybody else for listening. As always, you can find us on Twitter at SG underscore rewatch or email us at woo. That's W-O-O-S-G rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please, on your podcast listening platform. And we will see you next time for Jolinar's Memories. Bye. Bye.